is going to discuss the dowry that a father sets aside for his daughter's wedding. That a person should set aside from his estate a portion for his daughter. This is called the dowry. One who is marrying his daughter without stipulating a specific amount for the dowry shouldn't provide less than the amount mentioned in the previous prakim that a father would set aside was 50 coins to provide for the clothing the made of one memorial when these above applied if the father was mamish poor if he was rich he should provide based on his wealth and base if the father told the prospective husband that he's not going to provide the dowry that he should he should bring her into into his home without any possessions in or she isn't entitled she won't receive a dowry the husband shouldn't say that when she comes to my house I will provide her clothing should provide her clothing while she's still in her father's home father passed away and he left the daughter we assess how much the father would provide for the dowry and we give it to her from his estate how do we assess this from his friends from those who know him from his business transactions and from his stature, from his position in the community. So to if he already married off a daughter during his lifetime, we estimate that based on how much the dowry was given for the daughter who was married off. If based on aren't able to assess this amount, we set aside a tenth of his estate as a dowry. called if after he passed away he had many unmarried girls, whoever comes to marry first, we give her a tenth of the estate of Shalach and the girl who comes to marry next, she's provided a tenth of what remains from the estate. The one who comes to marry after her, she receives a tenth of whatever remains after the second girl took her dowry. If, however, they all come to marry at one time, so Rishina tells us, Girl number one takes a tenth of the estate. The second girl takes a tenth of whatever of what remains. And the third girl takes a tenth of what remains from the estate. Same applies even if there are ten girls who are marrying. They then aggregate all these ten, all these amounts, all these dowries together and divide it equally between themselves. The remaining estate goes to the male as. Hey, this dowry that is set aside, this specific dowry that I'm referring to, is the Isra Nechassim, isn't from the conditions of the Ksubim. Even the Takan of the Geonim, it's only demandable from land, from real estate. She's entitled to receive this dowry from rent that hadn't yet been collected, from land that was rented out by the father. And if the brothers, the male heirs, want to provide money in in lieu of the uh, the Isra Nechassim, um, they may provide so. The daughter's position in receiving the tenth of the estate is like a creditor of the brothers. She's able to receive land that, that is of average value without prefacing it with a shvur, with an oath. And if these brothers die, she would take the land from their as, but only inferior quality land, 
and she would have to first have to make a shvur. Should I hear nifras menichsi yisaimim? Vabal li parah menichsi yisaimim li parah elam zibur subah shvur k'meishu yisbar behilchas havar. Rambam explains the reason why she collects from ziburis and from and from shvurs because this is the cloud, the one who comes to take land from yasim, as the, is the case that we're currently discussing. They may only do so with prefacing it with a shvur. Zayin v'achim shemachroi mishkanu karka vm. If the brothers sold or used as collateral the land that the father bequeathed to them, the girls are allowed to expropriate the dowry amount from the, the people who, who purchased the land from the male, just like a balchoy, the creditor, is allowed to expropriate land from one who buys land on which he had a lien on. One who married off his older girls, passed away and he had younger girls, or may Ben, and he died without any male heirs. The Parnasa, the dowry, isn't first set aside for the Ktanis, and only then afterwards they would divide the estate. Ella, rather, the estate is divided equally. Tess. One who passes away and he left two daughters, Vabain, and a son. One of the girls got married, she took her a dowry. And the second girl wasn't able to receive her dowry until the son died. And the entire state is now in the possession of both of these women. The second girl doesn't take her dowry and then divide the estate. Rather, they divide the entire state equally between themselves. And the first girl, the oldest sister, who married first, is allowed to keep the dowry that she took originally. Yod, Mishat Siva Bashas Misa, one who commanded, one who uh, he gave the order at his deathbed. That my daughter shouldn't receive a dowry from my estate. Because this isn't one of the, the tenoying the provisions of the Ksuba. One who passes away, he leaves a widow and a daughter. If the daughter gets married, her dowry doesn't supersede the, the almana's need for mezainas. Even if, in this case, the guy dies, he leaves a widow and a daughter, and then the daughter dies after marrying, her husband, Yerish Parnosa, doesn't inherit the dowry that would be given to her. The reason for this is because the entire state is considered in the possession of Elmone so that she is able to receive her mezonus. Under the age of 12, whose father had passed away, whose mother or siblings married, married her off to her consent, they gave her 150 zuz. Whether that be by evaluating how much the father would give or by taking a tenth of the estate. <coughs> this applies even if the brothers weren't giving her mezainas. This applies even if she didn't make a, a statement an objection during her marriage, she's still entitled to the Parnassah after she becomes a Kedayim, because during her state as a Kedayim, she isn't in the capacity to make a Mechah, to make an objection. If the daughter gets married after she became a Kedayim, regardless, the Kedayim stage would be insignificant, regardless if she's a Kedayim, she didn't demand her Parnassah, 
So even the Parnassasa, the hind of the moment she turns 12 and she doesn't claim her Parnassasa, she loses her right. If, however, she raised an objection during her marriage, she's allowed to take her dowry whenever she desires. She became a Begeris during um, in, in her father's home. Whether she became a Begeris after father passed away or before. In If the brothers decided to give him a Zainus, and this was something that they didn't want Mechoyf to do, as explained above, Vishaska, and she was quiet and she agreed, for like Tava Panasasa, and she didn't demand her Panasa, even the Panasasa, she gives up her right to demand her dowry. The Im Machsa, if however she raises an objection, why aren't you giving me my Panasa? Like even the Panasasa, she hasn't lost her right to the Panasa. Loi Pasko the brothers, after she turned Begeris, didn't give him a Zainus, was Zano Isa And they gave him a Zainus after she became Begeris, Afopishle Machsa. Even if she didn't object, she doesn't lose her right to the dowry, calls mansions on Anaisa as long as they are providing her with food. She because she's able to claim that because they are feeding me, even though they're not obligated, that's why I didn't object. And I haven't yet married, and that's why I haven't yet demanded my dowry. So if she has a significant reason of why she didn't yet raise an objection, then she's still entitled to her dowry. One who who commands that such and such amount of money should be given to my daughter's dowry, to buy with it land, certain amount of money should be set aside to buy land, whether the person was saying it was on his deathbed healthy, or mace, and then he passed away, but he must be at a shalish, and the land is the money is in the hand of an escrow. And the daughter said, Give them to my husband. He should do whatever he wants with them. If she's a good of Anisis and she got married to her, the escrow would have to provide the money to her husband. If she's only engaged, the money, the person with whom the money is entrusted should do what he was commanded to do, i.e. he should buy land. If she's still even if she's married, in chairman we do not listen to her, rather the third party should carry out the father's instructions. Perek Hafalaf, Ram is going to discuss the different activities that a wife performs for her husband. An item that she finds, the profit of her work, belongs to her husband. What is she supposed to perform for him? It depends on the custom of the country, the custom of the land. Places that have the custom that she would weave for her husband, she should do so. To embroider, she should do so. To spin, to spin wool or flax, she should do so. If the custom of that land isn't that they should do these activities, he's only able to to uh, force her to spin wool. Because spinning flax is dangerous to one's lips and tongue. And, and however, spinning wool, he hamalach michel sanashim is something that is specific and known to women. Shneme v'chol isha chachma slave biyadir tavo base dachkatz mavasto yesem in haroi law. If she pushed herself and she did more than what she was supposed to do, hamaisa labal any extra profit is given over to the husband. Hoi lo imamin harbe if he had a lot of money, afilo hoi lo kamish fachis even if he had lots of maidservants, eno yishavus labatala his wife shouldn't sit idle and blame Allah without doing work. Because sitting around doing nothing brings to inappropriate behavior. 
Lasses Malacha Kalayim, you don't coerce it to work the entire day, Kulay. Elo Fide for Mamin, Mamentas Malacha, rather the extent of work depends on how much money he has. Gimel. A madre is Shishtashle Tasa Malacha Klao, one who makes an oath or a vow preventing his wife from doing any work. Yoitzi Vitin Subash of divorce and providing Subash of Atalam Vila de Zima. The Hain Kalishari Hetzis Labaila Ponavia de Varaglov. Every wife should wash her husband's hands, face, and feet. Hands, uh, face. Hands and feet from Mizagasle is a case and mix a glass of wine from a matasle semita and prepare his bed of a medicine with a meshes bifni bailo, cooking shetitum like mime to provide water, a clear a titum of fun of creates with vonamelo. Avalina, a medicine with a meshes bifni of a bifni rabbi, whoever she shouldn't do these activities in front of his husband or his son. Dal to Malachis, Elo, Isa, Ison, Hibatsmo, these activities she should perform by herself. A filo, Hilo, Kamashwakis, even if she has many maidservants in Isa Malachis, Elo, Labal, Elo, Ishte. Hey, The other activities that a woman should provide for her husband, if they're very poor and they are as follows. She should bake bread. That a woman should get up early and bake bread. So that there will be bread that is available for the poor people. She cooks her dishes. Provides fodder before his animals, but not before the cattle that is used for plowing. To grind cases, what does that mean? She should be in the mill, sieving the flour, but shouldn't actually physically grind the flour. The kernels. She prods the animal so that the mill is working. If the custom is to grind by hand, then she would grind by hand. Regarding poor people, however, if she brings into the estate a maidservant or property which can be used towards purchasing a maidservant, the same applies from the man's side as well. If he has a servant or state enough to purchase a servant, in a matchenes, she shouldn't grind for the oil, bake for the mechabeses, and do laundry for the mechabeses. Tevin of Yerushalayim, they provide animal foods to father his animals. If he, if he or she had enough. Uh, provisions to purchase two servants, or the way he came to the marriage with two servants, she shouldn't bake, she doesn't have to bake on us her children, rather she gives her son over to the maid to nurse. Five activities that every woman performs for her husband. There are six activities that some women do for their husbands and some don't. Grinding, baking, uh, cooking, baking, laundry, Every activity that a woman does for her husband, and also does for her husband, with the exception of mixing a glass of wine, spreading out the sheets on the bed, and <clears throat> she should do these activities not in his presence. She would give him the cup, but not in the manner that she usually does. She first places it on the ground, or on a different surface, and then the husband would take it. A woman who breaks house items while she's working is not liable to pay up. This isn't an actual. This isn't a dictate of law. 
it's a uh, it's a uh, tak- uh, something that the Chachamim established. The Shemin Ato Imerkein. If you're not going to say so, rather you should say that she should pay up. Ain't Shalom Besecha Bayis Leilum. There's not going to be any Shalom Bayis. So Nimtes Mizheres Venimnas Merivam Lachis. She's always going to refrain from doing any form of activity. Venimtes Katat Venimtes There's always going to be strife between the couple. Yud. Kalisha Shetimonam Alasis Malachim Inam Malachis Shichayevus Lasaisan. Any woman who refrains from doing the activities she's supposed to do, Kaifen Oisa Vafilu Beshait. If he claims that she's not working, that she's working. So to resolve the matter, we place a neighbor or somebody else or a woman to see what's going on. The judges should clarify the matter in a way that they see best. Whenever a woman is nursing her son, we uh, do not demand that she work what she's supposed to do. We provide more food, for example, yain, wine, and other food items that are good for feeding. If we set aside food for her, and she wants to eat more. Eat other types of food. Because of a certain disease that she has. The the uh, cost should come out from her pocket. The husband, however, cannot say and hold her back from eating by claiming that it's going to damage the child. The rationale is that the, the pain of her body takes priority. At base. She gave birth to twins. We don't, we don't compel her to nurse both. She should nurse one for and the husband should hire a nurse for the second child. If the woman wants to nurse her, friend, her friend's son together with her son, the husband is allowed to refrain her from doing so. And uh, he may restrict her from doing so and only allow her to nurse their son. If she makes a vow that she's not going to nurse her son, we compel her to nurse the child, whether male or female, for a, a minimum of 24 months. <coughs> she says, I want to nurse my son. And he says, <coughs> I don't want her to nurse because she's going to ruin her physical appearance. Even if she has many servants to nurse a child, she will not listen to her. Because it's painful for her to depart from her child, to be away from her child. If she's, if the woman who is nursing a child is very poor, and he's rich, and he has the needs to hire a servant or a, a, a midwife to nurse a child, even if he doesn't have any servants, if she doesn't want to nurse, uh, the husband, we compel him to buy a uh, a, a, um, a woman to nurse a child or a maidservant. This is because that a woman's social standing is it rises together with her husband's and doesn't descend with his. So she always has the upper hand when it comes to this discussion. If she claims that he has the means to purchase a maidservant, for this, uh, for the nursing, and he says, I don't have the means. She has to bring proof that he has the means. The husband isn't required to take a shvua. 
a woman who divorced, we do not coerce her, she isn't compelled to nurse. Rather, if the husband wants her to nurse, the husband should pay extra money as the husband would pay for somebody else to nurse a child. If she doesn't want to nurse a child, he gives that child to him and he would have to take care of him. That she was nursing him for a very short amount of time that didn't suffice for the child to recognize who the mother is. However, the child recognizes the mother, even if the child is blind, we do not separate the child from the mother. We compel her to nurse the child for a span of 24 months and she would receive payment for this. A woman who's divorced isn't, isn't uh, provided food from her husband from her ex-husband even if she's nursing the son however he does provide her in addition to what he's paying her to nurse items that the child needs like sauce, clothing, different types of food however one who's expecting doesn't receive these benefits after after 24 months, the child is weaned and finishes nursing. If his ex-wife wants the child should be by her. We do not separate the child from her until he's six years old. Rather, the father must provide mezenus for his son who is staying at, her, at his mother until the child is six years old. After the child is six years old, the father, the father can say, if he's by me, I'll provide the food. And if he's by the mother, they won't provide food. When it comes to the mother's custody of the child, if the child is a daughter, she's allowed to remain by her even after she's six years old. If the father had the means to provide for stock, we, we take away money from him against his will, to provide mezonis for his daughter, while she's with her mother. Even if the mother marries to somebody else, the girl remains with her. The father provides her mezonis. Until the father passes away, and then she would receive her mezonis from his estate, again, while she's still with her mother. If the mother doesn't want either her male or female children to be with her after 24 months of nursing but it should be other she has the, the right and she would give them over to the father or give them over to the community if they if they don't have the father if the father's not around and the community must take care of them the page of Beis is going to discuss the dinner of the husband yashning his wife the husband takes precedence in inheriting his wife before anybody else at what stage of th throughout the marriage does the husband have the right to begin to inherit her? When his wife leaves her father's domain. Even though his wife and himself haven't yet gone to a chedayichod, nevertheless, being that she's now in his domain, he is now eligible to inherit her. Base. Woman got engaged and her father gave over to her husband or to the agents of her husband. The agents of the father gave over to her husband, or to her husband's agents. She passed away on the road. Before they entered the 
even if her dowry is still within the domain of her father, Bala Yerisha, her husband inherits it. If the, if the husband or the agents of the husband went in Habal with the husband. And on the way back to the husband's home, the Chatzir, they went to a courtyard and the husband and his wife went to a Chedi Yichud Ima with her Vesham. The Shem Nisun for the context of Nisun Umesa and then she dies. Her husband inherits her. If, however, the father is still with the husband on the way to take her, to give her over to her husband's, uh, on the way back to her husband's house, the agents of the father, together with the agents of the husband, together with the husband, even if they went together with the husband to a courtyard to uh, sleep over, like those traveling on the roads do, by sleeping over at a hotel, being that the father, or his emissaries, or his agents are still with her, and the husband and his wife haven't yet gone to the Chedi Yichot for the concept, for the purpose of Nisoyin, if she passes away, her father would inherit her estate, her dowry, even if, technically, her dowry is in the possession of, in the in the Rishus of her husband. So it goes back to her father. By her own volition from her father's house to her husband's house, and not her husband or his emissaries are with her, and she dies on the way in Her husband does not inherit her estate, rather goes back to her father's house. When he marries a woman who is forbidden to marry being that Kedushin is Teufus, he has to divorce, but the Kedushin is effective. If she dies whilst they're still married, he inherits her. One who marries a Ketana after her father passes away, even though this Kedushin aren't uh, 100% binding, if she dies whilst they're married, he inherits her, her dowry. A sane individual who marries a deaf mute, the woman who's deaf mute, if she dies, he doesn't inherit her dowry. A deaf mute who marries a woman who is sane, and she passes away, the deaf mute inherits her state, being that she married her on her own volition. Therefore, her husband, even though not entirely, even though he's not entirely there, he still inherits her estate. Hey, Katano, Shiniskacha, Ladasovia, a Katano who whose case of Kedushan received was received with her father's consent, Venisis Shalai Ladasovia, but the Nisuin occurred without her father's consent. Bain Bafonov, Bain Shalai Bafonov, Yachal Ha'av, Limchais. Father's allowed to protest. Kameshibano has explained above. Even if the father didn't verbally pronounce his agreement to the marriage, if she dies, her husband doesn't inherit her state, unless the father verbally expressed his consent for the marriage to go forth. A woman who took ill and asked her husband to divorce her without receiving the ksuba, and this, she would make this claim so that her estate doesn't, he, so that she doesn't bequeath his estate to him. In Tremelah, we do not listen to her. Even if she claims, I hate him and I can't stand living with him, um, we don't uh, take her words um, seriously. She isn't judged like a Meredas. This is a good ruling. The husband eats the dividends or the fruits of the estate. For during her, her lifetime, the Mesa, the Chayyibayla, she passed away during his lifetime. Yerushabayla, her husband inherits 
all her estate. All her states. If the woman sold her after she gets married, even if these um, these lands were to fall into her domain before she's engaged, the husband takes the profits, the fruits from he expropriates it from the hands of the guy who bought these lands, as long as she is alive. But the actual land itself he cannot expropriate because he's only entitled to the actual land, the physical land, only after she passes away. If she passes away during his lifetime, he's able to expropriate the land from the Lukuches without paying back, laying out any money. If we have the same stash of cash that, that the, um, the buyer paid to his deceased wife, the soul is, is extant, that stash of cash should go back to the and the husband cannot say perhaps it's a metziah that my wife found. This applies only to um, pieces of land that the husband is aware of. If, she's, um, if she came across or she was to different pieces of land in a faraway country that the husband doesn't know about, and she sells them, one is engaged who sells land before she um, concludes the marriage, it's a binding sale, because the husband has no lien, has no right, has no holding on the property of his wife until the marriage is consummated. A woman who writes off all her all of her properties to somebody else, whether that other person be a close or distant relative, before she marries, even if in the case that she gets divorced or is widowed, the properties would return to her, the husband has no right to eat the fruits of that land. If she dies during his lifetime, he doesn't inherit these lands. Because they were transferred before the marriage was consummated. And only after she passes away during the lifetime of her husband, the person who she gave them over to would then receive full ownership over the land. Even if she gave part or her entire lands before she got married, but, um, she gave them to some, she sold them or gave them to somebody else. So, and she wrote to the person receiving the lands, acquire them from today and from when I desire. In other words, what she's saying is that the person who's buying it is only going to have full ownership from the moment that I fully agree for you to have them. The husband doesn't eat the fruits of that land, of that gift. And if she dies during his lifetime, he doesn't inherit that land. He doesn't expropriate it from the Lukuches. Yud. One whose husband passes, who passed away without having any children, who's waiting to marry his younger brother. She has full authority to sell and to give as a gift any estate that falls into her possession while she's waiting to um, make the marriage with the Yavim. This Yavim isn't entitled to the fruits of the, these estates, even to have benefit from lands which the husband took full over until he consummates the marriage with her. If she dies before her Yavim was able to consummate the marriage, those who, are, who, those who inherit her from her father's family inherit half the milug and half of her nichzitz and the inheritors of her husband, of her deceased husband, 
of the deceased husband's brother, Yoshin Ksubasa Vachatsi Nichsitsim Basel, and inherited Ksuba in half of Nichsitsim Basel, Yeshe Habalchi Yovim Mikvorosa, and they also responsible for her burial. Yodal of Shemeres Yovim Ksubasa, I'll call Nichsibala. The Ksuba of Shemeres Yovim, of a woman waiting to marry her Yovim, is a, is a, has a lien on the entire state of her deceased husband. The Yavim has no right to sell the estate of his of his deceased brother, whether before or after performing Yavim. If he sold or gave us a gift, or divided the land with his brothers, before being created Yavim, whether before or after Yavim, that action is of no significance. Because the land already is on a lien to the Ksuba for the woman to receive her uh, her money from. For one, consummated the marriage with his Yivameh, and his deceased older brother left fruit that was attached to the ground. They should be sold. And one should buy land with the means that one makes. And the Yavim should. Um, have benefit from the Paris that grow from that field. If the deceased brother left fruits that are detached from the ground, so too if he left movable property. Everything belongs to the oven. He can use it as, as he wishes. If she cannot hold him back from doing so. Because when it comes to movable property, the lien of the Ksuba on them is only of the and there isn't enough power within this to to hold back the deceased young man's younger brother from benefiting from these metaltalim. who didn't have or she um, told her, her her deceased husband that he doesn't have to pay it. So the Yavim is, uh, has full right over the estate of his deceased brother. And is allowed to sell and give as a matana as he wishes. And when he consummates the marriage with his Yavim, he should write a new Ksuba for hundred. And then the state that the Yavim has should be on a link to the Ksuba, as is the din with every other married woman. A woman who sold or gave as a matana after she, she marries. And the matana she gives is whether she will sell him to somebody else or to her husband. The act is of no uh, consequence. The husband who sells land belonging to his wife, whether it be it is worthless. It's not a valid sale. If he sold movable property, that is Even though he isn't, he shouldn't do so. If he did sell the sale is binding. If both the husband and the wife sell Regardless of whether the lekeach purchased the property from the husband first and then from the wife. Or the other way around, the sale is binding. A woman who sold or gave as a gift to her husband, the sale and the, and the, and the gift is binding. She cannot say regarding. 
However, when it comes to other properties, she may offer such an excuse. Yetches, case of what is what is meant by that? A woman who sells gives as a gift. Or a field that the husband has had designated for her to receive a ksuba from. Or a, or a uh, land that um, that be, that belonged to her, meaning she brought it into the marriage as a dowry. Or something that the husband had added to the ksuba that still needed to be evaluated, like Konabala, the husband had, does not acquire these fields. But it's saying, even if he was to acquire these fields by performing a kinnin, the sale is, is unbinding and she's allowed to retract whenever she wants. She only did these transactions because of Shalom Bais. The husband's possession of any property, with the exception of Nixem Yulog, isn't proof that it belongs to him. That Nixem Barzel that was stolen and lost, and the woman said that uh, you don't have to, uh, I'm Michael, you, meaning that uh, you don't have to pay up. And there were witnesses to attest to the fact. And uh, there was a kinyan soda performed. Yerali says that I'm a priest. What can this be compared to? Lemish economy yada. Sheein la achrayus. Shechizir and nechasem elo. Nixem ilog. It's compared to a, to a a a man and a woman who made an agreement in which she forgoes the responsibility that the husband has and considers it nixem ilog. Shari ein habal meviraya lito klum. Explains the Rambam. The husband isn't bringing a proof to to take out money from the other party or to retain something that is in his domain rather to to free himself from the claim to pay up if however if however says Rambam she gave him as a gift movable property of Tzim Barzel he doesn't Acquire it in this manner because she's able to say that I did it to appease my husband. If a husband sells property that belongs to his wife, but the buyer only buys the right to have the fruits and not the actual land, the sale is of no significance. The only reason why the husband has a right to the payres is in order that um, the, uh, the household expenses are attended to. If he took these fruits and sold them, and with that money he invested in business, then uh, he is given the right and the prerogative to do so. If a woman possesses financial resources, and the husband has the right to use them for business, regardless of how she received these properties, this should be sold and then shouldn't be bought with them. And he's entitled to the benefit that comes out from the, the landed property. Someone who damages, who causes injury to a to a, someone's wife. All the penalties that are supposed to be given to her should go for to uh, purchasing land. If woman inherits servants, even if they're very old, they shouldn't be sold. 
because it brings honor to the father's household. If she inherited olive trees and vines, but didn't own the actual land on which the trees were, meaning that the moment that the trees would dry up, they would be forced to relinquish the right to the tree. If they make enough to suffice for the for the input, for the investment, if there's more um, investment, then, then uh, if there's more expense than profit, it should be sold as firewood, land should be bought with those monies, and the husband should have benefit from the profit that accrues. If she inherits fruits, produce that is still attached to the ground, they belong to the husband. If they're detached from the ground, they belong to her. should be sold, and used towards buying land, and the husband has the benefits that accrue from that land. Whoever one divorces his wife, and during the time of divorce, there were uh, produce that was attached to the ground during the time of divorce, they belong to her. But if they were already reaped, it belongs to the man. The husband has to lay out money for them to feed. They can work for him and he has the benefit that they produce. The child of a of a, uh, a maid servant that is of Muluk status belongs to the husband. If at the time of divorce the wife wants to lay out money to the husband and have right to the maid servant because it brings honor to her father's home. We listen to her. If she brings into the marriage two items or two um, maid servants that are under the, the, the title of Tzim Barzal, and during the time of marriage they were evaluated to be a thousand Zos, and now during the time of divorce they're worth two thousand. And now he divorces her. Tell us, she takes one seventh worth a thousand. Regarding the second seventh, if she wants to lay another thousand and take him because it brings honor to her father's home, she may do so. When he gives a gift to his wife, whether he gave her land or money with which the woman bought land with, the husband isn't entitled to the payers of that land. One who gives a matana to a woman with the condition that the husband will not eat the peris, rather the peris belong to the woman, so that she can use it to whatever she desires. The husband isn't entitled to the peris of this matana. A woman who sells her ksuba, the intent being that the person who's buying the ksuba is making a risk because he's only entitled to the value of the ksuba if she dies during her husband's lifetime. So that money that she makes from the sale of the ksuba, Hadam al-Isha belongs to the woman, Ve'in al-Baal, Eichel Perisim, the husband isn't entitled to any benefit that accrues from it. Chavches, Vlad, Behemas, Melug, Shenignav. If a Behemas Melug, if the baby of a Behemas Belug, an animal of the Melug status that was stolen, Ve'nimtza ha-Ganav, and the Ganav is found, Ve'shilam Shneim, and he paid double, Ha-Kefal isha the double payment goes to the woman, She'ein Zepri, She'etikun Lechachamim. This isn't paid, this isn't considered paid, that the Chachamim gave the husband a uh, entitlement over. One who damaged, one who harms his wife. Call All the payments belong to her. The husband isn't entitled to any of the payments that accrue from it, as we explained in Hilchas Chayvon. Chavtes. The one who has lent his wife. If the land with which the woman is laying out to buy the land, the husband knows about. 
Kansa. It's a valid sale of a Baal Eichel Pedis to Zakarka, the husband would then have the Hanar from the Pedis of that land. If, however, when the husband gives the option to his wife to buy his land, the Mitamal, the woman, pulls out money from under the table that, that the husband didn't know about, like Kansa, the sale isn't binding. Because the husband can say, I only offered you the sale for you to reveal where you are hiding your money. And now the money that everybody sees, should be used towards buying land, and the husband has the, is entitled to the benefits the payers of that land. If, if a husband finds movable property of money in the possession of his wife, she says it was given to me as a gift. And he says that from that from a job that you did, and I'm entitled to the benefits from the profits. They're mine. She's believed. He is, however, allowed to um, make a state a curse regarding anyone who's making a false claim against him. However, the the, uh, the the money that she has in her possession should then go towards buying land, and he has benefit from the profit that accrues from it. If, however, she makes a further claim and says that it will give it to me as a gift with a condition that my husband will not have any benefit from, she has to bring a proof of this. Because any money that's within the woman's possession the assumption is it belongs to the husband, to the extent that he is entitled to the payers, until the woman brings substantive proof that that isn't so. Lamed Alf, Omra Loi, she tells him, You gave it to me as a gift. She's required to take a rabbinic shavua that he gave these monies to her. And the husband isn't entitled to the payers of these monies. You shouldn't accept items. For to safe keep not from women and not from servants, lemon actanable from minors. If he was over and he transgressed and he received this item for, for, for safekeeping from the hands of a woman, Yaksa should return it to her. Mesav, she passed for Yaksa, he, sh- he should return it to her husband. Kim Eved, if he received it from the seven Yaksa, she should give it back to the Eved. If he dies, he should give it back to his master. Kim Eved, if he received an item from a minor, he should purchase with it a safe or something which, which accrues. Um, uh, profit. Regarding the above three people who sat on the deathbed that they belong to so and so, if the word is believed by the person who the item, uh, by, by whom they entrusted their item, they should do as they were commanded, and if not, they should be given back to the people who inherit them, i.e., either the father, the master. As the Raman explained in the in the halach in the beginning, Lama Gimel. A woman who has money that is roi that is fit for her husband to have benefit from the paris, meaning it should go towards buying land, and the husband have benefit from the paris. He suggests we should buy such a land. I'm going to buy something else. We buy the item that has the least um, expense and most profit. Regardless if it turns out to be his or her idea or her proposition. You want to buy something that doesn't, uh, we don't purchase something that, that doesn't renew itself. Because we don't be in a position the husband is going to eat everything and then the principal is lost. He has to buy something, say, like a tree that, that brings uh, fruit every year. A woman who brings to her husband's household a goat um, to milk and sheep to share and a date palm whose fruit she's entitled to take. Even though she's only entitled to the to uh, the profits of 
the, the principal. Um, she is entitled, her husband is entitled to, to the benefits, even though the principal itself is going down in value. If she brought utensils and different articles of clothing to his house after they were married that are classified as he's allowed to use them until the original value is no longer existent. And when they divorce, in the case of divorce, the husband isn't entitled to pay for any decrease in value that the Nixim went through. The Gaim teach the following about Even if they were to lose value, the husband would have to make up if the actual cabin, if the actual land is still existent, and they still perform some form of work that they originally did during the time of marriage. She takes them as they are, and the husband isn't responsible to lay out the full value of the same barzel. If they cannot perform um, even in some manner, the work that they did during the time of marriage, they're considered as if they were stolen or lost, in which case he's liable to lay out the entire amount, the entire full value of that land as it was during the time of marriage. This is the common practice. Whoever marries on this custom, they accept themselves the responsibility of a property that the, that the woman brings into the marriage. Just like he doesn't lay out for the downside in a natal he doesn't take any upside any profit if they rose in value during, from the time of marriage to the time of divorce based on the above custom the husband has the right to coerce some of the servants of his wife uh, male or female servants to serve him in a house of another wife that he has Shinasa that he married regardless if the status of these avodim was of However, he has no right to take these servants to another city without his wife's consent.